time this morning and and as I, I told you uh, the Lord changed my mind about what to to speak after Miss Debbie gave uh, her testimony and we talked about the Operation Christmas Child so this evening what we're going to do is we're going to uh, cover the the passages of scripture that we were going to cover this morning so if you saved your outline uh, if you saved your outline from this morning only in Jesus is the title of the message. If you need one, Bridget has a few extras, and she will give you one if you'll hold your hand up. She'll come back and make sure you have one. We're going to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to cover verses 12 through 17, and we're going to be talking about three things that we can only do in Jesus. Only in Jesus are we going to have the power to accomplish these three tasks. So... You know, we've been working through the book of Hebrews, and of course, in, in the first part of, the, or not the first part, but coming into verse, chapter 12, we, we get ideas, or, or he's laying before us, how we are to behave as Christians, what we are to do. So let's read our verses, verses 12 through 17, and we'll, and we'll begin there. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator, or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Tonight, these three things we can only do in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, you are awesome and wonderful to us, and we thank you so much for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to get into your word hear from you, hear, hear from your Spirit as the Spirit moves in us and teaches us these things. Help us, Father, to accomplish the task you set before us. Give us that strength, give us that endurance that we need. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so in verse 12, we're going to, 12 and 13, we're going to get right into it. You see, Jesus says, I mean, uh, the writer there says that we can only do these things in Jesus. So uh, verse 12 and 13, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Now this is coming out of the argument or the, the uh, subject of suffering. Uh, there's some, some adversarial things that are going on and. We're talked, it's been talking about chastening of the Lord, how the Lord sometimes put objects in our path or obstacles in our path to help us to grow. So coming out of that, that concept or that subject, he says, therefore, make sure that you purpose the adversity. You find the purpose for the adversity. You see, whenever something, when we, whenever we go through troubles, it's not just so that we can suffer. It's so that we can grow through it. Now, Satan would try to hold us back and hold us down, and he would try to cancel us out altogether. Whenever God comes into the mix, whenever God puts an obstacle in our way, it's for our benefit. It's for our growing. Now, the first 
word in verse 12 says, therefore. So you go back and look at those things that is, that's, are before this verse. Going back to verse 2, it says to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We make sure that we are doing that. In verse 7, it says we have to endure the chastening of the Lord at times. And then verse 10, it tells us that sometimes it's for our profit. Whenever the Lord brings adversity into our life, it's for our profit. And verse 11 talks about using it as a training tool. Therefore, he said, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. The first thing that we've got to do is there is understand that there's a purpose for adversity. All right? And then we have to draw strength from the task. I use this analogy a pretty good bit. Whenever a football team is practicing on the practice field, they are the best team on the field. Softball team, when they're practicing on the field, they're the best team on the field. It's only when they meet the opposition that they find out how good they are. They're put to the test. They're challenged. And the same thing with us. You know, while we're gathered up in church and while there's no uh, adversity, there's no uh, conflict, there's, there's no trouble, there's no trials, you know, everything is good. But whenever that comes into our life, it really shows us how, how deep our faith is, how shallow our faith is maybe in some instance. You see, we've got to make sure that whatever we go through, we draw strength from it, we learn from it, and we progress through it. In Isaiah chapter 35, there's this verse over there. It says in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 35 of Isaiah, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Now that's almost the same exact wording that we had in Hebrews. Say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. You see, when God puts things in our past, He's going to deliver us through them. He's going to make sure that we go through it, and He wants to teach us those things from it. Now, the first thing is to strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Then it says, make straight paths for your feet. In other words, this is the way that I put that, follow righteousness. I go back, and, and that, that idea about having a straight path, I, I, li I listen to what the Lord says. He says, there's going to be a broad path that leads to destruction. But the narrow way is what we need to be seeking. And that narrow way is not an easy path. It is filled with opposition. It is filled with obstructions. But we make sure that we walk the straight path. Like it says in Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. This is the straight path, the path of righteousness. You see, He's saying make sure that you walk in the one and only way that the Lord leads you that straight path. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Make sure that you follow the straight path. Verse 13 says at the, at the concluding phrase, but rather be healed. You see, 
that's the product of walking the straight path. That's the product of receiving the instruction of the Lord through chastening. You see, whenever we are strengthened through our troubles, whenever we decide that we're going to walk with the Lord and with the Lord only, then we are healed. Then we are trained by those things that the Lord leads us to. We have to make sure that we purpose the adversity. Make sure that we understand the purpose of it, that we, we look into it and we ask the Lord, why, why this? What do I need to learn in this? Teach me through this so that I may not have to repeat this again. Purpose, adversity. So in verse 14, we get the second thing that we can only do in Jesus. Now again, remember, you can only purpose adversity in Jesus. And the second thing is to practice righteousness. Verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Practicing righteousness. Now, in our world today, the, the media that we have and all the things that this world presents, it's the farthest thing from righteousness. I mean, my goodness, you can't turn the television on. I was, I was reading the other day in my Bible and it was talking about these, uh, this couple inviting uh, some friends over, some worldly friends. And these worldly friends had some you know, not so Christian ways, but they were, they used the idea, well, we're trying to witness to them. We're trying to make sure that we present before them a Christian life and we, we want to influence them. But it grew more and more to where the world or, or the worldly folks were influencing the Christians more and more and more and more ungodly activities were happening in their home. And before you know it, it had gotten illicit. And finally, it says the guy just turned the TV off because it was the television that was doing all, the, all those evil things. Folks, we've got to pay attention to what the world brings into our home or what we allow the world to bring into our home. We've got to make sure that we are practicing righteousness. Uh, first of all, he says there in verse 14, pursue peace. Per pursue peace with all people. Now, we can't do that without the Lord Jesus Christ because you know what our human nature wants us to do is to strike back. Uh, we naturally want to take somebody by the throat sometime and say, no, you're not going to say that, or no, you're not going to do that. Uh, now, I don't advise that at all. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm advising against it, okay? We are to pursue peace. In Psalm 34, it says this in verses 14 and 15, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. See, God is always on our side. When we want to do what is right, He will make a way for us to do what is right and to leave the evil behind. He will strengthen us to walk the right path. The next phrase, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Pursue, the idea is pursue holiness. And here again, you've got to look at the word pursue which is you know, whenever we're pursuing peace and pursuing holiness, that means you are hunting for it. You're looking for it. You're tracking it down. You're pursuing it at high speed. Whatever it takes to get a hold of it, you are pursuing it. So do we pursue peace? Do we pursue holiness the way that we pursue everything else in the world? And I caught myself yesterday watching college football. 
I didn't watch college football last year. Uh, very, very little of it, and I've stopped watching NFL football. But I caught myself sitting down on the couch yesterday and just watching football. And it, it, it wasn't one of my favorite teams, or neither one of them were, but I was just kind of caught up in the action. And I thought about it just a little bit. Am I, am I pursuing what the Lord wants me to pursue today? Is this God's idea of my Saturday afternoon is sitting here watching a football game? And my wife says, hey, why don't we get up and take a walk around the yard? Or, it was a cool evening and it was nice. And I said, you know what, that's a whole lot better than watching somebody that I'll never see again on TV and me just sit here. So I actually like being her, in her presence sometimes. And she, and she puts up with me. So, But what do we pursue? Are we pursuing holiness? Pursuing holiness. You know what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 15 and 16. God says, Peter quotes God, uh, the Old Testament, where it says, God said, be holy therefore because I am holy. But do we pursue that as much as we pursue other things? Are we pleasing to the Lord in our pursuits? And then, of course, it says this, pursue peace with all people and holiness because without holiness, we will not see the Lord. Without it, we will not see the Lord. Go to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Are we pursuing purity and holiness? Because that's what it's talking about. If you're pure in heart, that means you are righteous at heart, you are holy at heart, and we will see God. In Ephesians, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. Now, he just got through listing several things that were going on, talking about ungodliness in in the world and in the church. He says, flee from those things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. That's our pursuits should be rather than all the other things that we pursue. When we pursue those things, we will be practicing righteousness. We'll be seeking righteousness. But we can only do that in Jesus. We can only have that type of heart and mentality if we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. Only in Jesus can we practice righteousness. Now in verses 15, 16, and 17... It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. See, the last thing we've got to do is protect the fellowship. Protect the fellowship. But we can only do this in Jesus. We purpose adversity, we practice righteousness, and then we protect the fellowship. Think about this, uh, brothers and sisters. We are one body. We are a part of one another. 
when one of us hurts or when one of us falls by the side, wayside, when, when something is going on in one of our lives, then the body needs to react and help. We need family support. We need that. So, you know, you might be like me. I'm the, I want to be the last one to admit something's going wrong or that I need help. I'm getting older now, and I realize, you know, some things I can't do anymore. And also, that's leaning toward my mentality, you know, and spiritually and all those other things. Whenever I've got something going on in my life, I want people praying for me. So I need to share that with them and say, hey, look, pray for me about this. And when I do that, they're praying specifically about my situation with that. And you'd be surprised, I hope you wouldn't be surprised, but you know that it's going to work. You know that God is going to work in the midst when you are praying for something specifically. God is going to speak into that situation, His will, His way, and He's going to cause His purpose to come forth. We need one another. Brothers and sisters, we need each other badly. And here's what He says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Bitterness among the brothers, brethren. The brethren means the church, the, the brothers and the sisters, everybody all together. Is there bitterness among us? And why? Why do we allow certain things to come in and, and disrupt the fellowship? Well, oh, so-and-so, I heard him say something that I didn't agree with. So, did you ask the Lord about it? Or do you just want to hold a grudge? Well, this person was talking to that person, and, and I thought they were my friend, but that person's not my friend. And uh, you know, Everybody wants to use excuses to not come to church and not worship the Lord. Oh, oh, so-and-so comes down there, and I don't want to have anything to do with him, so I let him become between me and Jesus. Let me tell you, if you let some man or woman come between you and worshiping God, then you have never worshiped God. He's not your Lord and Savior, because you have put that person ahead of God. More, your grudge against that person is more important than your love for God. Now listen. There's a whole lot of excuses that we use for not coming to church or not worshiping God. And we allow that bitterness to break up the fellowship. I don't have to tell y'all about it. Y'all have experienced it everywhere you go. At work, at home, at Walmart, in the church. It happens everywhere you go. But we can't abide by it. We must strengthen the brothers and sisters in Christ. And if there is a mention of bitterness, we need to root it out. We need to get rid of it. If there's something, if you heard something you may have misunderstood or somebody else may have said it out of turn or something like that, get it right. Come together. Love one another. We can't afford to have a fight in the church when our fight is with Satan. We can't afford to fight one another when we're supposed to be fighting the enemy. The very thing that, that the devil wants to do is defile the church. 
And that's what he says in that last, last phrase. Uh, Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You know what happens when a, a church starts fighting? The whole church gets defiled. Satan wins. That's exactly what happens. Because you can't praise God if you're fighting with one another. If you're sitting on this side and you don't like somebody on that side, you're paying more attention to what they're doing than you are to what the preacher is saying and what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. So why would we allow Satan to come in and defile the brotherhood, defile the church? Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the, the, the enemy, his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now why would we want to allow him to do that? We shouldn't. As a matter of fact, the scripture encourages us to look carefully to make sure that we are paying attention. Protect the fellowship. And we can only do that with the Lord Jesus. Only in Jesus can we protect the fellowship. Only when we are seeking His will and His way for our life and for our church are we going to protect the fellowship. Only when we have Jesus are we going to practice righteousness. And only in Jesus are we going to use the adversity to further the kingdom of Almighty God that He brings into our life. That's Those things have to be done in the church. And the only way that we can do it is in Jesus and with each other. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, we do ask that you help us to learn from our mistakes, learn from the, the chastisement that we go through at times, whatever trial or trouble we know, Father, that you will bring us through it, Father, that you will help us in it, and Father, we want to learn from it. And also, Father, we want to seek righteousness and holiness. Help us to walk in the way everlasting. Uh, remove from us the old stony heart that, that seeks ourself in our own way, and give us a heart of flesh so that we will walk with you. And Father, today, tonight, help us to be mindful to protect the brotherhood, to protect the church, to seek a right fellowship uh, among the members of the church. And Father, help us to stand together against the wiles of the devil because he wants to defile the church and we won't stand for it. God, I ask that you give us the strength Give us the, the wherewithal to see Satan's schemes and attacks and to ward them off because we are in you, because we desire to be in you. Father, help us to see the evil and to stand against it, to hold it off. Father, your church will not be overcome when we are in you. Thank you. Bless us now in Jesus' name.